you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, our guest is Sean Maron. Sean, do you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. Now, uh, you were on JavaScript Jabber. We were talking about money. That's right. We were. I'm trying to get the episode number. I should have looked it up beforehand, but I didn't. Um, episode 273. And, yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, we had you and Kevin on the show. Um, I think I'm interviewing Kevin, you know, not not too far in the future. But anyway, um, why don't you give a brief introduction and then we will jump in and start talking about coding and stuff. Sure. Yeah, I'm Sean Marin. I'm currently in Austin, Texas, originally from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Moved here a little over a year ago. Uh, I'm a full-time software engineer. Um, been doing it for about 15 years now, a few years away from early retirement. And um, yeah, just just happy to be here. It's 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 good. I, you know, the JavaScript Jabber show was a lot of fun. I like connecting with my fellow software engineers and talking about things outside of software engineering. Sometimes, um, I, so it was it was a slight different, you know, than what we're used to from our normal programming, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but good to be back. Yep. Um, one other thing that I thought was funny is I listened to another show that's two keto dudes. I'm wondering if that there are any relation between the names or if you just kind of came to those separately. That's so funny you mentioned that. Um, so yeah, Kevin, my co-host, Kevin Griffin, does listen to Two Keto Dudes. And when we were talking about the name for the podcast, Two Frugal Dudes, uh, what, a little over yeah, a little over a year ago now, um, I, I had said, let's be the Frugal Dudes. Like, uh, you know, the, how's mm-hmm. that sound? And then out of nowhere, he was like, Two Frugal Dudes. And I was like, yes, that sounds awesome. And I had never, <laughs> I had never heard of the podcast before, uh, Two Keto Dudes. Mm-hmm. And he had. And it, but it, it didn't click right away. And I had actually listened to .NET Rock Show for a very long time. Right. Um, so yeah, familiar with uh, you know with the host there. And then um, and then it was like I don't know a few days later, Kevin or the next episode we recorded, he's like, I totally just know where we got that name from. It was two. He's like, I listened to two keto dudes, and I was like, well, it's too late now. <laughs> I was like, and actually, we've gotten a lot of people that have you know really liked the name. So thanks to keto dudes, I mean, awesome guys over there, but uh, definitely love the name Two Frugal Dudes. Nice. Yeah. Um... I uh, I was I spent some time with Carl and Richard not not from Two Keto Dudes from uh, .NET Rocks um, <laughs> because incidentally yeah Carl does two shows and his co-hosts on both of those shows are named Richard and they're different guys um, <laughs> but uh, anyway um, one of the things that Microsoft has been doing ha- is that they've been flying podcasters out to their events and we've been interviewing their folks and I've been doing that for JavaScript Jabber and so yeah I spent 
uh, three days in New York City hanging out with uh, Richard Campbell and Carl Franklin from uh, .NET Rocks. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it, it's fun. And yeah, I went, I went on a tear just ranting about uh, the current state of uh, medical advice for people like me. I, I have type 2 diabetes. Mm. And yeah. yeah, the two keto dudes has been a really big help for me. Um, you know, the, a lot of the medication just didn't work well for me. And right. I, I went keto for a month and all of my numbers straightened out. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Kevin has talked great things about it. I've done the, the paleo diet in the past mm -hmm. um, and have had success there. Um, so I know it's not completely similar, it's, but but a lot of the, the awesome things in the keto diet, you know, are in the paleo diet. So, um, I, you know, I, I think that's great what they could do for people. Kevin and I also, we, we did write an article for Diabetes Council as well, like on, you know, how to cut back and be frugal. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked about, you know, the, the your diet, you know, and some of the health things, what you could do differently in the grocery store. So uh, it's, it, it's an expensive and it's a, you know, yeah, tough, you know, disease to, to deal with. Um, so I, I feel it. And I'm glad that, you know, two keto dudes <laughs> and two frugal dudes <laughs> yep. can come together and help out. Yeah. In fact, I just realized I thought I was subscribed to your podcast, but I'm not. Um, oh. it, so two, two frugal dudes, that's two frugal dudes.com. The number two. That's right. Number two. Yeah. If you, if you do TWO, you'll, you'll get there too, but we typically go by the number two. Right. Well, I'm just going to subscribe right now. Add podcast, nice. Search for podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyway, um, this is usually a, an interview show where we talk to people who have been on JavaScript Jabber. Um, we don't always talk about JavaScript because not all of our guests are JavaScript people, experts, or have even really done much with it. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's a chance for people to get to know the guests. Um, and it's also a chance for us to just kind of showcase the fact that, you know, you mentioned early retirement. You know, so people who are doing extraordinary things out there like retiring, you know, before they're 30 or 35 or um, people who are out there, you know, making the awesome stuff that we use in JavaScript on a daily basis, like Lodash, I interviewed uh, John David Dalton, you know, they're, they're people too, and they go through the same things that we do. And it, it anyway, it just kind of puts a human face on the programming community. And, and that's something that, that's important to me. So um, let's just dive right in. I mean, you are a software developer, we didn't just randomly have you on the show, even though we did talk about <laughs> finances. Right. So uh, how did you get into programming? Oh, well, it's funny. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, the last two years of you know, my, my junior and senior year, uh, I went to a trade school and I didn't want to go. <laughs> my mom actually kind of forced me to go because I was more concerned about having my lunch block, right? And <laughs> hang out with my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I was into gaming and computers and stuff, but um, for some reason, I just didn't want to go to this trade school. And But I actually did end up going and it was for uh, computer networking, actually. It wasn't programming. It was so I, I got my CCNA, Cisco Certified Network Associate, oh, out of wow. it. So I was doing, yeah. <laughs> so I was doing routing and switching uh, in high school. <laughs> and um, at the same time, I uh, met some you know great people in that class uh, where we got together and we built each other's computers. So I also got my A plus certification out of there uh, as well. Mm -hmm. um, had the opportunity to uh, meet professionals in the industry that would come in and talk to us. Um, and that's how I was able to land my first job actually doing like tech support um, around the office um, uh, when I was 17, making $40,000 a year. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> it's unheard nice. of. Um, so I was you know, pretty excited about that. So it started off in computer networking. And I remember my first like real experience, I had done a little bit of web design stuff, but my first like real experiencing, experience in trying to learn programming, I went to my guidance counselor uh, get, coming up to my senior year. And I was like, hey, I'm doing this CC. CNA at um, at this technology center, um, and I really, you know, I have an extra block um, back at uh, in high school um, that I could take maybe something else as well. 
And I would really like it to be, you know, somewhat related to that class. Do we have anything here at the high school that I could do? And she was like, yes, we have this AP computer science class that you can take. And I was like, all right, I know. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> let's go for it. I mean, it's computers, so I'll do great, right? And uh, get into the class, and it's uh, so it's the advanced. It's like the second or third level class um, in computer science. And I didn't really know what computer science was at the time. Um, I just knew knew I liked computers, and you know that's the the subject of computer programming, I guess. So, and the the language they were using was Java, and the bad thing is the teacher. I, since I was put in this class, I didn't know that there was any prerequisites, but Everything she she taught, she referenced C plus plus, and I didn't even know what C plus plus was. Either at the time. <laughs> so I I hated programming at first. Honestly, I I, could, I it didn't really click to me. It was really hard to understand. Maybe it was her learning methods. I don't know. Um, but uh, I mean, she was probably a great teacher. But it was just that reference constantly C plus plus. I didn't have that you know basic grounding in computer programming. So it was just trying to dive right into Java. And uh, so I, I ended up getting a D in that class, honestly. And I never wanted to program ever again in my life. So. That's how it was introduced to me. It wasn't, it wasn't the best terms. And now I'm a full, full-time software engineer. I love programming. Right. And we could probably get back to that in a minute. That's awesome. So uh, I think Amy said that she met you at an, a Node event or a JavaScript event. So how, how did you get into JavaScript then? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I met Amy at a conference called Revolution Comp. Um, it took place in Virginia Beach. Um, and buddy Kevin as well. You know, we, we know each mm -hmm. other from the software engineering world and uh, was able to help run that conference with him. And uh, that's where I met Amy. Uh, but but going back to JavaScript, uh, so I talked about gaming. That's kind of where I guess everything started out for me in the past. You know, playing Diablo, you know, uh, Counter-Strike, World of Warcraft, Oregon Trail, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, and that led to me um, wanting to build websites for my clans and my guilds. Um, so... I don't know if you remember GeoCities. Yeah. You remember GeoCities? The, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the old, old web page builder, right? Drag, that was, you know, forget Squarespace and Wix and all this, man. GeoCities was the old drag a job, you know, website builder back then. They, yep. they, 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 they kind of, you know, blazed that trail. Well, that's but, where I got started, too. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, look at that. And, but I remember like uh, when I would put stuff into the GeoCities website, you could see the code, or I don't remember exactly how, but I, I could, I could uh, see the HTML or if there were certain widgets, even JavaScript at times. And so I would go in there and make certain edits. I would learn, you know, hex codes for colors and different things. And so I, I kind of started learning how to build my own HTML files. And I started out just in Notepad, um, just typing up my... I still, to this day, sometimes, if I want to do something quick, I open Notepad and just save it as an HTML file look at it, which is no, abs absurd. <laughs> absurd. Or I'll, I'll use VS Code too. But no, it's just like a super fast thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but um, but no, yeah, very rare. Uh, but, uh, but so I started off in Notepad and GeoCities, kind of learned uh, coding that way. And then um, later on, I kind of used those skills uh, when I started doing that tech support job. Um, there was lots of lots of times where I had to solve, you know, continuous issues over and over again. So I started writing scripts. They started off a VB script and then I started mixing in some JavaScript as well. Um, and have you ever heard of HTML applications? HTA applications? No, actually, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> All right. So, so what basically I used to create, you know, uh, either JS or VBS files uh, to run some scripts. And then what I learned is you can create .hta extensions, which is HTML application. And instead of an HTML web page, it actually launches in like this smaller, small little form of a browser that you can run. You can like add little widgets to, and um, you can put an embedded script in it. So I was putting, I was embedding, you know, VBScript and JavaScript into it and creating these like small little GUI applications that were really just scripts when you would click a button. And uh, th th so those are kind of my first 
real applications, that's when I kind of fell into love and the programming really started understanding it again. And that, you know, evolving, evolving into now, you know, developing enter- enterprise, you know, mm-hmm. uh, class applications uh, as a software engineer now doing a lot of web based stuff with Angular and jQuery and et cetera. So it kind of, you know, evolved in the vanilla side of JavaScript. I still go back to there every once in a while, but a lot, a lot of fun. Nice. So, um, so yeah, so you're, you're doing web stuff now. Um, yeah, it sounds like it just kind of clicked. You, you found some niche that was fun for you to play in. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious, you know, as, as you came up through the ranks, you know, you didn't really like programming until it, it kind of clicked for you. Um, for people who are coming in and are new, do you have any advice for them as far as kind of finding their niche or figuring out, oh, this this is the kind of stuff that I ought to be doing because I really love it? Yeah, I would say when when I first like those in, when I look back, those instances where I was trying to solve a problem, like I had something on hand that I wanted to solve. So I really, you know, I was forced to kind of learn, you know, teach myself scripting, and I was, I, and I made, you know, I went through those, you know, trials and failures uh, to to learn uh, or and successes, I, I guess too, and to learn scripting just, you know, by being thrown into the fire. Honestly, uh, every time I had wanted to solve a new problem. I had something tangible that you know I could work on right then. Um, many times in the past, the mistakes I've made is where, hey, Angular seems cool. I'm gonna go buy a book on it and just read the book, and and then by the time I'm actually ready to use it, it's been three months later and I forgot it. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. So I, so uh, it's it's having a project. You know, that's the most important thing. Um, and now, even even as like an enterprise web developer, um, I, I work on new applications in in my company and. Whenever you know the next application or the next feature set comes around that I'm working on, I always say, "Hey, let's take this opportunity to learn something new." Um, so I'll I'll learn a new framework or you know some other library or something I want to implement into our applications, and I have a you know an actual deadline or requirement, something I'm working on for a customer <laughs> that I need to get done by a certain time, but it forces me to kind of learn it. So I'll go on you know Pluralsight or YouTube and mm-hmm. watch a tutorial of as I'm learning it you know um so whatever part of the you know the language I'm in I'm kind of learning that part as I go right and so I'm p- immediately putting it to work and immediately you know feeling my, myself typing the keys so that's been helpful helpful for me rather than you know I, I forget if I haven't done something in 3 months no matter what it is yeah <laughs> I, I pretty much forgot about it <laughs> I have to go back and learn it anyways you're human too dang it <laughs> <laughs> I know right <laughs> yeah it's it's funny i mean um and, and this is something that I run across because I, I wind up coaching a bunch of folks that are trying to either get their first programming job or get their second programming job. Um, and what what I find is, you know, depending on how they got in, sometimes the second programming job is harder than the first because the, on the first programming job, they kind of got somebody to take a chance on them or they knew somebody. In the second programming job, they, they really haven't done a whole lot to expand their uh, options. And so they don't know people or they don't, you know, they don't know what they don't know. And, and so it's hard for them to get the job. And so they start looking for, okay, well, how do I level up? And yeah, I'm always saying, look, do a project and don't do the, I'm going to build a Twitter clone with Angular, right? right? I'm always like, look, find something that you really care about and build it. I'm like, exactly. it, it can be the dumbest, simplest thing. You know, it's a database that, that tracks uh, song lyrics or something. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, but if it's something that you really care about, then, then you'll get in, you'll get involved and you'll figure out what parts of it you really love doing. Absolutely. So what have you contributed to the programming community that you're particularly proud of? 
Yeah, being an enterprise developer, I haven't done a whole lot of open source stuff out there. Um, and it's funny because a lot of people ask for like my resume, <laughs> my GitHub resume, and I'm like, well, I don't really have one. Um, yeah, I would love to, but uh, I can't share any of that with you. <laughs> um, but or else I would. I mean, still though, I use a lot of open source libraries, and I could contribute more there. But my, more, some of my con- uh, contributions are more so uh, with the community from a personal perspective or from a teaching mentoring perspective. Um, uh, internally for the company I worked for previously. Uh, I ran the .NET Center of Excellence, we called it, uh-huh. uh, and the and the the Jabal Center of Excellence, which the, was the JavaScript and browsers library center of excellence. <laughs> so these were these were a few um, influencers uh, that I got together with in, in the company, and we would hold monthly meetings to teach the whole enterprise. You know, all the software engineers. We had I don't know, probably uh, around we had a few thousand uh, software engineers in the company, and uh, we would just teach teach them on, you know, something new, something we're doing, a project we're working on. Sometimes we would have internal presentations or we would actually bring in external vendors. We had Microsoft, a lot of, you know, famous authors on, on Pluralsight and books would come in as well that we've had to come in and ask them to do a presentation. And they've taught uh, people um, on certain things. And then we kind of set standards as well. Uh, all the technology that was coming into our company, we set the standards on, you know, what was allowed, what was, what was not allowed, what was being deprecated. So we kind of had to do these uh, evaluations of technologies for our enterprise. So that was a lot of fun doing that. Uh, internally. But that also led to um, some external uh, community collaboration projects as well, you know, wanting to get involved and and uh, bring more people together. And this is where I, I met Kevin. Um, uh, so through meetups, um, the .NET uh, user group that Kevin ran in Virginia Beach, um, he, you know, I was, I was going there for a few years and he asked for help with it. And that's when I stepped up and I organized it um, when, he, when he went down for a little bit and wanted to work on some other things. So, you know, running that uh, .NET Meetup, along with an, another uh, co-organizer as well, mm-hmm. um, was a lot of fun. I mean, that was, you know, again, meeting influencers, bringing people in, bringing the community together, you know, figure out how to, uh, you know, stay up to, you know, the latest technologies, teach people about it, give our opinions on it, you know, to put these together. I mean, yeah, anyone that runs a, a meetup out there knows it's a, you know, it's built on love. You know, it's not, this is not something people do to make money. It's just because they want to, they want to, you know, they enjoy the aspect of community. And that led even further to conferences. So we got together in our local 757 area code area. Um, and, uh, we got together with all the meetups and we, we started this whole 757 developers group out there. And so we, all the organizers from all the meetups, we all got together and we started hosting conferences. Um, one, one of the ones I helped run was uh, Hampton Roads dev fest. Um, uh, that was one where, uh, the Google developers group, uh, was able to, you know, every year they run dev fest and uh, the organizer mm-hmm. came to me, and the organizer came to me and asked if I could help, uh, you know, run a conference with them. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah. So we got, you know, we, we made it happen. We got all the, everybody involved and we got some great speakers to come out. And then, uh, that, and then eventually revolution comp too, um, with Kevin, I was able to get involved with that and some other great influencers out there. I can't name them all cause there's so many, I mean, you got the organizers of the conference, you got so many other volunteers. It's, it's been, it's been a, a blessing, uh, to just meet these people in the community. And I, I guess that's how my contributions have been just kind of volunteering or help organizing right. some of these events. Uh, in the industry. Yeah, well, the events are important. And it's funny. Um, I keep saying it's funny, and it's bugging me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> it's all right. I say, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyway, um, I was having a conversation with with some folks. Um, I think it was on JavaScript Jabber, actually. So that episode will come out here in, in a little bit. Um, no, it was on Adventures in Angular. So it'll come out next week, I think. Anyway, uh, we were talking about diversity and stuff and we were talking about trade-offs, you know, whether um, if you have new organizers that aren't well connected, don't know anybody and they can't bring out a, a, 
a lineup that, you know, meets some diversity standard that somebody's put out there. Should they cancel the conference was the question asked. And, you know, a few of the people on the show said, yeah, they should cancel. And, you know, I had to chime in and, you know, I, I basically said, look, conferences are such a net positive for the community that yeah. honestly, if they hold the conference, they will become well, well enough connected to where the next year they can actually meet those requirements without as much effort or trouble or, you know, gee, I don't know anybody because they'll know so many more people. And so, you know, but but that's that reflects really my view on conferences. And that is just, you know, they they do so much for the community. And it's not just people coming together and hearing talks and, you know, sitting through the sessions. It's people showing up and communicating with each other and talking about the things that they're running into and making connections and all of the other things that happen at a conference that just you just don't get anywhere else. I mean, even users groups to some degree give you some of that, but not not to the level of conferences. And you get to rub shoulders with these experts and you can go buy them lunch because they're in town and you know where to go and they don't. And anyway, it's such a huge, huge thing. And I, I think sometimes people think that open source contributions are sort of the pinnacle of what you contribute to a community. And my feeling is, is that we kind of need all of it. We need the people who are writing the blog posts. We need the people who are organizing the conferences. We need the people who are writing documentation. We need the people who are writing open source. And we need all of the other people who are out there using it, finding problems with it and reporting it back. So absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, big hats off and thank you for your contributions to the <laughs> JavaScript <you>. community. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. We're all good at certain things, right? So we all kind of can give our pieces yeah. in different ways and that's the beauty of it. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to detour a little bit. We brought you on to talk about um, finances on JavaScript Jabber, because why not, <laughs> right? It's a JavaScript podcast, so let's talk about money. Um, so two frugal dudes, how did that come about? So from the community, Kevin and I met you know, as software engineers. And um, uh, one thing we did many times is after every user group meeting, we would go out and get pie. <laughs> Anyone that's been to the .NET user group out in Virginia Beach knows that. We would all get pie after. And uh, my specialty was pie and a side of bacon. <laughs> but anyways... Ooh, you are uh, my kind of guy. <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Anybody that knows me right now is like, yes, I missed the pie and bacon. But anyways... um. Uh, yeah, so we, we would always go out for pie and bacon afterwards. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, one of the talks that we would notice we started having a lot, especially between Kevin and I, was about money and other software engineers as well. Um, you know, we're in an opportunity where we can make a decent amount of income. And uh, I still see a lot of times, though, even in my coworkers, um, you know, where they don't necessarily just still know how to manage their finances or not in a way that, you know, they could really be way ahead than maybe when they, where they already are. So I don't know. Uh, I think it's a little... I think it's a little arrogant sometimes to think that, you know, our jobs or our positions uh, are going to last forever and these great incomes are going to last forever. We never know what can happen. I mean, competition, more and more people are learning computer science. I mean, it's becoming, uh, I mean, it's a definitely a difficult skill, especially at the senior level. But, um, you know, I think it's important to learn our finances. And that's when Kevin and I, uh, so he, after we started talking, um, I, I talked a lot about, you know, early retirement because it's something that, you know, I'm really excited about and I'm planning for. And he um, teaches Financial Peace University for his church through Dave Ramsey. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. So we kind of had, you know, almost, I mean, we had different things to say about finances because I'm like really extreme and, you know, <laughs> I talk a lot about investing and, you know, he's all about, you know, he knows a lot about crushing the debt and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, the peace that you can have in it and, you know, not necessarily, you know, going like crazy, crazy, but it's, it's so cool. Like just the, 
the topics and the conversations that we we had to talk about that we were like, you know what, man, we all these to- all these conversations we're having are getting lost. Like, like we we should be sharing this with our our software engineer, you know, peers. And uh, that's when uh, and that's kind of how it started. We were like, okay, let, let's start a podcast. Let's try it out. Let's try it out. And it took us a few months to really get the get it off the ground and launched and everything. I think now we record once a week, but at first it was like we recorded like one a month <laughs> for the first three months. And uh, we finally figured it out. It was our first podcast, and we got recorded and launched it. Um, and and then like we started getting feedback from people that you know like, hey, thank you so much for what you do. Like um, I I can like one well, one person said to me, I I can attribute you know my personal finance knowledge and knowing that later in life I'm gonna be taken care of and retire early because of your podcast. And like when someone told me that, I was like, wow, like you know like this feels like ser- serving my community um, even more like, even, you know, I'm religious as well. I believe in serving a community. And I feel like, you know, the podcast is a way that, you know, not only are we changing lives, but we're, we're trying to help people advance. And, and it's cool hearing it from just me and Kevin, just, you know, two middle-class software engineers, just talking about what we're doing in our family's finances. That's, that's really all we're doing. We're just sharing our story and uh, somehow that's connecting with people, um, because it is an important topic. I mean, every single decision we make, you know, somehow affects our personal finances. Yeah, it's it's interesting and it's so true at least in my experience. I mean, I've made some pretty <laughs> dumb decisions, right? And some of the decisions that I've I've managed to avoid making are things that yeah, I mean, a, a conversation with somebody in the know or with, you know, just a little more experience than me uh really helps. I think the the podcasts about programming help in a similar way, right? Where it's oh, yeah. well, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm going to make a different mistake or I'm going to go learn in a different way or whatever. And yeah, you know, it's important to put that out there. And it's funny too, because a lot of people have this idea that podcasts or radio programs or anything else are, oh, these are kind of the elite of the elite. And it's like, no, we're just a a couple of folks that are getting together and chatting about what we're doing um, in the hopes that it'll help you out. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Two Frugal Dudes is really just out of love. I mean, we, there's no special interest. There's no, you know, we're not really making any money. Yeah. I ended up writing a, a book out of it and everything, but I hardly make anything on that. Honestly, I'm like I mentioned before, I'm already planning on retiring early just from middle-class savings. If something else comes out of it, cool. But it's just, uh, it's just something we, we, we do for fun. And, um, I don't know, it's, an, it's another challenge. It's, an, it's, and we're learning a lot from the podcast community, meeting people like yourself through it. So it's, it's, it's another way that's just kind of, I don't know, taking us to the next level. And uh, it's been a lot of fun on the, on the journey so far. Awesome. So uh, is there, are, are there things that, you know, it, it'd be interesting to know about the audience? I, I mean, I'm just curious, like, how big your audience is and who you generally are reaching. Is it mostly software folks or people you know, or are you reaching a wider community than that? Or Yeah. Um, so actually, the demographics, you know, started adding Google Analytics to our uh, podcast site about halfway through. I was a little slow on uh, getting everything together uh, when I was caring more about that uh, information for demographics. But uh, actually, it's 50-50 uh, men and women um, that come to our podcast, which is really cool to hear. Uh, even though it's the two frugal dudes, you know, we worry about that man mantra. But at the same time, um, you know, we embrace everybody and uh, we, we're glad to see that that's coming through our, our voice. Um, the main thing is, you know, our, our big thing is we're empowering everybody um, to manage their personal finances in layman's terms, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin and I do not like big words, <laughs> so uh, we're we're not you know we're not we don't we're not lawyers or we don't know all these fancy words and fancy lingo. Sometimes when you talk to a financial advisor, they're talking ten you know ten levels above your head. So our big thing is just teaching people how to manage their own finances, you know, in the middle class. Um, so uh, from a from a you know industry perspective, 
Uh, yeah, we do get a lot of software engineers, actually. Um, and maybe that's from our background, previous network, and who we've kind of advertised it and talked to it through. Um, actually, we've had a lot of people from JavaScript Jabber that have, uh, I guess, enjoyed our last talk and said they started listening to our podcast. So thank you for that. <laughs> I'm glad we were able to help people out there. Um, I, and so, uh, yeah, I would say a lot of software engineers. Um, we're getting a lot of people, uh, you know, mid twenties to to you know mid thirties um, that listen to our podcast. But it's funny. I'll actually get the emails. Most of the emails we get are people in their fifties. Um, and, uh, and even the, I guess that everybody, you know, some of the younger crowd is just asking us through Twitter or, you know, our Facebook community, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll get some emails that come through and say, you know, Hey, um, I really love your podcast. Um, you know, I'm in my fifties. I'm, I'm a little behind where I want to be. You know, I thought it'd be a lot further ahead. Here's where I'm at. You know, what do you think? And, you know, we just give our honest opinion. Like we're not financial advisors. We say that up front. You know, we don't know everybody's unique unique situation, so it's up to them to kind of make their own decision. But at the same time, it's nice to hear from someone that um, is just doing it with their own families. You know, not someone that has some kind of other special interest involved. So that that's kind of who it seems like we're connecting with. Nice. So, what's kind of the future for you then? I mean, you're talking about retiring early. Um, I don't know if you actually have a timeline on that, but you know, that, and, you know, with software development and the podcast and all of the other things you've got going on, you know, what are you working on now and where do you think you're going to end up here, you know, with all of this stuff? Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of a new space for us. Um, so originally it was just learning about early retirement for our family. And uh, we, so I just had my 31st birthday and we are on pace to retire by the time I'm 35. So we are now four years away from early retirement. Um, so, you know, we'll have a little over a million dollars saved up and we'll just kind of live on that passive income for the rest of our lives. Of course, I have a lot of earning potential as well. So, um, you know, we're, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I'll probably always be, you know, working on something for fun, but it's the whole point of being able to, you know, work on my own startups and my own ideas. And if I ever need to, uh, having the ability to make more money, but not having to, you know, not having that risk or if something were to happen to me, knowing that my family's taken care of. Um, but this whole personal finance space is, is new like to that community aspect. But me, I was like diving right in. I was like, there's gotta be meetups, there's gotta be conferences, mm -hmm. there's gotta be things, that, you know, people I can meet out there uh, in this space that I can start working with. And it's been really cool, you know, uh, you know, knowing the old software engineer space um, and kind of seeing that shift over to personal finance. And the conferences in this space are huge. Like I just went oh, to yeah. one. Yeah, I just went to one called FinCon, my first personal finance conference. And it's really for personal finance content creators. So podcasters, bloggers, um, YouTubers, all the people that are kind of putting together um, personal finance media. And that was in Dallas, Texas. And uh, that was a blast. I met a lot of people that I you know, had worked with online and built up a lot of relationships, got to shake people's hand in person. And now like our podcast is built, booked out to next August already. Uh, you know, And right now it's December when we're recording this. Um, so that's you know that that has been really cool to kind of just see how open uh, this this space is. Uh, but there's a lot of money from sponsors in that space. So these conferences are huge because you know it's it's personal finance. It's where a lot of you know banks. You know we're talking credit cards. <laughs> like there's a lot of money to throw some huge conferences in that space. Um, so uh, so yeah. Th so you know taking the podcast there, meeting these people, getting these other great people that have these awesome personal finance stories already on our podcast to share those and connect with more people. Um, I mentioned the book, the early retirement roadmap book that I wrote, which is really just me sharing what I'm doing to plan for early retirement. I just, you know, wrote it all up in a, in a document saved, saved as PDF. And Hey, I have a little, I have a little roadmap that people um, can check out if they want to. Um, and now I'm actually building a course. So the problem in the past, uh, sorry to break up here for a minute, but so I'm an, I mentioned how I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I have always been in, you know, trying to use my software engineer skills on the side 
jobs for the you know over the past ten years. Um, so outside of my full time job, I'm always trying. To, you know, I got these ideas flowing in my head. I got these problems I want to solve. I got my own startup ideas I want to work on. Mm-hmm. I even got involved with the startup community. So I have always been you know trying to develop software for to solve some problem on the side. And I've been involved in, I think, over at least over you know 10 or 15 startup companies where I've written software for them and nothing has taken off. I mean, it's been bad. So, so I had you know all these years of software, software, software that I've written on the side and no one's standing by ready to buy it. So uh, a lot of this time, a lot of that has been you know maybe because of my partners in the past uh, that were you know I kind of expected them to do some of the marketing marketing task and, and never really kind of went through or buying into a vision that really wasn't mine. Um, but so this time I'm doing things differently, uh, which is kind of cool with the early retirement stuff. So I wrote the the ebook for fun, and mm-hmm. now I'm developing a course for the first time. Uh, so I'm learning how to you know uh, create my own course. And, you know, this is informational product. This is different for me because it's not stuff I'm used to. I just want to write software, right? <laughs> so I'm leading up to eventually writing software in this space. So at some point I'm going to figure out where these problems are. And I, um, I'm learning the marketing now this time around. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm building an audience. You know, I got the podcast. I'm learning what people actually need. And then I hope to write some software in the future that actually solves their problem. So I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach uh, in the personal finance space than just, you know, just throwing software all over the place in the past like I used to. <laughs> um, and just kind of just kind of sharing uh, my story with more people of how early retirement is my backup plan to kind of leave the workforce and, you know, live my entrepreneur dreams instead of just trying to do it on the side all the time. Um, so that's, that's really the whole goal of the early retirement roadmap is just kind of expanding on, you know, why I did this, how you can do it too, you know, in the middle class and, uh, you know, hoping more people can retire early and start, start building their own dreams instead of their companies. Nice. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I love the idea behind entrepreneurship. In fact, we actually recorded a JavaScript Jabber episode last week. Uh, with Ryan Glover, who uh, from Clever Beagle, and we talked about entrepreneurship. And yeah, I mean, I think more and more people are going that way, especially when they realize that, hey, you know, what? I have the skills to do this. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my neighbor the other day. Um, funny enough, one of my old coworkers, who's a coder, um, bought the house next to mine, and I ran into him at church, and I was like, "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "Oh, well, this is. <laughs> I just moved. I just moved into the neighborhood, and yeah, it turned out that uh, he moved in next door to me." Um, wow. and we, we were chatting and we were talking about some of these areas of, you know, we were talking specifically about real estate and, you know, the MLS and how realtors take like 6% of your, you know, your sale when you sell your house. And he's like, he's like, boy, is that a market right for dis- uh, disruption? And, um, you know, just the democratization of information on the internet, you know, we have the skills to, to change the game. And it's the same yeah. thing with, Healthcare, it's the same thing with finances. It's the same thing with all of these things. And so it's it's exciting to be an, an entrepreneur right now. And so I, I, I'm excited to see what you come up with once you have the opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely excited too. Um, it's nice to be able to have that freedom. And as you know, I, I got my career, I started working on some things on the side. And then you know, I got married, I had kids, bought a big house, a you know, dog and a cat. So that, that side time for you know, my entrepreneur dreams was just you know, dwindling and doing the dwindling down smaller and smaller. Um, so it's excited to, I'm excited to kind of get rid of some of the complexity and, you know, know that our, you know, my family's taken care of and I can get my time back to kind of start working on a lot of these ideas again in the future. And that's really the whole, the whole key is more time, more freedom. Yeah. And it's funny you talk about that. Um, you know, cause I'm in, in, I'm in a similar boat. I have five kids. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been married for quite a while, but 
yeah, you know, I've, I've been looking at my finances and basically decided that I needed to have 10 months worth of money in the bank for both the business and personal stuff. And it, it does, it makes a huge, huge difference because then I can go and I can be a little bit more uh, risky. I can go explore new areas where I want to expand. And when I'm looking to expand, I'm not looking to expand because I want to make more money, though that's a nice side effect. Um, I'm usually looking to expand because I really care about helping developers live better lives. And so, right. um, you know, if I can find some way that serves a whole bunch more people, then I can do that. But, uh, you know, I have to pay the bills. And so, you know, right now I spend a lot of time doing sales and, you know, managing production of podcasts and a little bit more money would enable me to hire people for the parts of that that I'm really not great at and really don't enjoy doing. And then I can go chase down these other opportunities. And yeah, it, it, it's huge. It's a huge, huge thing to be able to do that. And it's interesting that you're, you know, you're approaching it from if I have a million dollars in the bank, then, you know, I can go and I can do whatever I want because I'm taking care of for the rest of my life. And I think a lot of people just get stuck in the rut of, well, it's comfortable. You know, I can make all of my bills and, you know, and then they can't figure out why they're not quite fulfilled with what they're doing. Or, you know, they, yeah. they, they have that someday thing out there. They're going to write a book. They're going to, you know, they're going to build that startup, whatever, but it's a someday thing after they somehow, some way, eventually, you know, make their way out of there. And, you know, with you, you have a plan. And with me, I have a yep. plan. And it's, it's so important to have that. And so it's exciting just to see from your perspective, okay, here's the plan. And then I get to go and make the difference I want to make. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's really how this whole thing started was doing some soul searching um, and thinking about, you know, what is my purpose? And, you know, think about, you know, it, it was, I remember someone telling me once before, it was like, if, if you, if you won the lottery or if you had all this money in the world, it, you know, if the first thing you think about doing is helping other people, like, oh, I want to help my family or I want to help my friends or I want to help more software engineers or people manage your finances, then you're not greedy. It's not, you know, you're, it's not being, it's not greed, it's instinct. You know, it's, you're actually wanting, you're doing, you want to make that money because you want to help more people. Um, and just like you touched on earlier, where the, some of those repetitive tasks, if you can make a little bit more money so those are taken care of, and yeah, you can be the creator, you know, and you can reach more people by building thing that's gonna connect with some, you know, more people because you don't have to worry about the mundane stuff anymore. And, you know, that that's that's what all we you know, that's what we should be doing. Someone told me in the past uh, that, you know, we should wanna make more money because think about it, the more you the more you can it can make, the more people you can help. I mean that's that's ultimately what you're trying to do. And you know, it's 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 weird, right? Because you can only help so many people with so much funds. I mean, you try to do as much as you can for free, but at the same time to reach more people, you know, there's all these other companies in front of you, you know, paying yeah. a ton of money. You know, I think we're like 5,000 something ads a day. I've heard that, you know, we see now that are getting, you know, getting in front of you when you're just trying to get your message across to help more people, you know? Yeah. So if you have the funds to do that, then you're ultimately going to reach more people and, you know, be in, in, you know, experience that fulfillment, help more people achieve their dreams. Cause yeah, that's a great feeling to have. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Anything else you're working on now? Just um, no, not just, just and all that stuff. Keeping the podcast going. Yeah. Um, I, I tried to cut out a lot of the extra stuff I was doing with the podcast. Uh, that was one of my New Year's resolutions. Um, you know, essentialism. I do that. I'm kind of a minimalist in my life, anyways, and the things I own. And now I'm kind of trying to become more of a minimalist in the the business I run. You know, just making sure, um, like you mentioned earlier, I don't have the funds for the business. You know, itself making the money to pay for a lot of that stuff. So I need to cut out a lot of the extra stuff I was doing that wasn't as important. I'm getting back to making a better show for the podcast. You know, that's yeah. making a course a course for people. Like I want to, uh, like that's what I should be focusing on. 
Um, so, so th- I mean, that's that's really what's coming. It's uh, you know, a video course. Um, they got you know, the podcast should be getting better. Um, but those are the things I'm trying to stick to. I'm not trying to branch out and and do a whole lot of other kind of traffic source things. Not you know, I'm not. I kind of killed my. I had some bunch of stuff on Twitter going crazy. I kind of killed that. I don't do a whole lot on Facebook. You know, really. You can only, you know, you can only re- really be good at a few things. You know, I'm like really good. Like I can always think of a way to really make the podcast better. So I'm, I'm. So really, there's not more coming. It's more. It's I guess it's that whole quality over quantity. So I'm just trying to make the things I already have better and continue to kind of, you know, cut, trim the fat. Yep, absolutely. And it's something that I think we all wind up doing. It's like when you move, you wind up throwing out a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't realize you still had. Right. Um. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing with business and. You know, I, I went through a little bit of a lean time earlier this year and yeah, I wound up cutting a bunch of stuff and it's stuff that I haven't brought back because I don't need it. And nobody misses it. And well, in the, uh, in the, the software engineering world, we have the term what? Yagni, right? Yep. <laughs> That's like the principle I live by is Yagni. You ain't going to need it. Yep, um, absolutely. So as an engineer, when I, you know, everything I'm, I'm working on, uh, whenever I, you know, so, someone comes to me with some requirements and I always have that meaning like, uh, what are you going to be using this for? Or, or, or I'm thinking like, I could write this because they're probably going to come back with this. And then, and then the truth is that, you know, it's never going to get used or the next time they come around with the requirements that we thought it was going to be, there's something, you know, it's a different story. You need something on top. I mean, the same goes everywhere. You know, it's just like, yeah, don't, you know, uh, Kevin Griffin actually gave you a great quote was said, don't solve problems that don't exist yet. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's so true, <laughs> so true. <laughs> because you don't know what those problems are going to look like and you're trying to worry and anxiety is building up and you're thinking you're going to, you need to do all this extra stuff. And it, you know, it's, it's, it, and you, it, and, and really don't, it's just crap. <laughs> I mean, cut it out, <laughs> just do what you know now. Um, and it's, that goes for everything, you know, for engineering, for life, for the things you own, for your personal finances. Uh, you know, here's a great, another analogy. We bought a four bedroom, 2,500 square foot house just for my wife and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like when we first got together, you know, I made many mistakes in the past that, you know, I have learned from, and it was like, you know, we thought we were going to have, you know, four, five kids or whatever in the past. And no, we have, we have two kids and we are good. <laughs> <We're two. laughs> so, uh, so now we live in a, a two bedroom apartment and where we actually save more money than we did in our house, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> so it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of being more practical about things and growing with your life instead of making predictions about the future that, uh, you know, may or may not never happen. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And essentialism, you mentioned that that's a terrific book. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, um, anything else that you want to dig into before we go into picks? No, I think that's pretty good. I think that about, just about covers it. Uh, where do people go to get your book? People go to earlyretirementroadmap.com. And I'm actually going to put a promo code on there, Jabber, uh, for 25% off. So if anyone wants to get it, go for it. They can always check out a free preview too. Um, the, the beginning of the book talks about the, the, you know, finding your purpose in life, the meaning behind things, um, you know, what you're ultimately trying to get to, um, you know, you want to, you want to invest money to, for what, to grow it. Okay. To grow it for what, <laughs> you know, what are you trying to get to? Where do you want to be? And then when you know that goal, when you know what you're trying to get to eventually, uh, you know, then you just, then you have that, you know, that fire inside you that, that, you know, that just is going to be like, wow, I want to do everything I possibly can to speed that up. <laughs> So, so that's really what the beginning is about. Uh, you'll see that in the, the free chapter. And then the, the later on, you know, I get into a lot of the technical stuff, you know, really, you know, cutting back and how to invest your money. Um, these are all things I've learned from, you know, other great mentors as well. This isn't just stuff I, I kind of came up with, but it just, I just put it together because, you know, I read the, 
hundreds of blog articles and read all the books and watched all the videos and did this stuff in my life. And this is kind of what came out of it. So that's where you can check it out. And then twofrewilldudes.com. You can check out the podcast too. Awesome. All right. Well, let's do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc., VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash JavaScript Jabber. So... I mean, these have been heard before, I'm sure. Uh, well, Mr. Money Mustache, he, he's, uh, he's definitely been a huge influencer of mine um, uh, in the past when it comes to early retirement. Um, Bogleheads, uh, B-O-G-L-E, heads, Bogleheads, kind of a spinoff on uh, you know, little Bogleheads uh, or bubble, Bobbleheads or whatever they are on, on the, the dash. But uh, old John, John Bogle uh, or Jack Bogle is his, his nickname, Jack, uh, from uh, Vanguard. Uh, you know, the, the creator of the index fund, founder of Vanguard. Uh, I really like Bogleheads.com for if you're doing any investing, you know, learning about tax efficiency. Uh, it's a really good investing website that I definitely want to call out. I learned a lot from. Uh, along with that is the Little Book of Common Sense Investing that uh, Jack Bogle wrote. Um, so just, I used to try to pick stocks in the past. Um, you know, Mad Money, boo boo booyah, Jim. I used to watch that show. Yeah, exactly. I, I called into that show. I was on it once. <laughs> so oh, really? It was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, you know, just I mean, nothing wrong with Jim Cramer. He's an awesome guy. Uh, but there's a lot of these, you know, uh, really exciting investment schemes or, you know, shows and news and things that we watch that gets us excited. And this kind of reminds us that, you know, you can't beat the market. Stop trying. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, just go back to passive index fund investing. I personally would already be retired if I started doing this in the past and didn't try to pick stocks and care more about my personal finances. You know, I would already have over a million dollars saved up because I've already ran the numbers and saw that. So it just shows you that now I'm adding, you know, an additional four to five years onto my retirement from an early retirement perspective because of some of the things that I didn't want to learn early on. So, um, I mean, there's some great things. Uh, I guess one other philosophical thing I talked about before was just focusing on one startup. If you, I remember, I tried to do like 10 different startups at once and I was always being pulled in different directions. Um, uh-huh. You know, just trying to plant seeds everywhere and write code for different people. And uh, I, it probably held me back. And in software engineering, I've learned, you know, that multitasking, you know, trying to work on like four different projects at once, uh, it will actually take you longer than trying to work on each one after the other. You know, just getting one thing done first before the, the next, you'll actually become more efficient. I, I remember seeing some studies on this as well. Um, so I would say, you know, uh, the biggest thing I've learned from some of these some of these failed startups is to kind of you know pick one and just focus on it, get really good at it, and do it for a long time. If I was still working on some of the startups that I gave on after you gave up on after six months after they didn't pan out, if I still had those today, after you know almost ten years later, I can only imagine where they would be. They'd probably be very successful yeah. if if I just you know because if, if I think about the same thing all hours of the day, <laughs> I mean I'm always kind of think of ways to to improve it. So if you have one startup or one passion that you really care about. You know, really hammer in on that one and just 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 know it's not going to happen overnight. 
and just keep, you know, trucking at it and, uh, you know, years down the road, I, th- I think it will be very successful. So uh, those are my tips or my picks, uh, picks and tips. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks as well. Um, you mentioned React and uh, we are putting together podcasts for React and Vue. So if you're interested in either of those, uh, we have Indiegogo campaigns that are up for those. Um, I think they'll still be running by the time this goes out. We are booked out about a month or so so at this point on the show. Um, You know, as far as, you know, having already recorded and and lined up the shows. So um, that's pretty awesome. And you mentioned a a startup, but I'm just going to throw this out there because I'll probably actually have a beta version out that people can try by the time... um, you know, by the time this goes live, if you go to podwrench.com, um, now, Sean, if you go to it right now, you're going to see like uh, a template landing page. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, you, what is can, it? you can go sign up and, and log in right now as we speak. But uh, anyway, what it is, is um, it turned out that I am really bad at certain things. And it, anyway, I, I wasn't doing super well keeping track of all the stuff for the sponsorships for the shows. And so I built a, a Rails app that uh, helps me do that. So it swaps the banners out every week for where they're supposed to be. It allows the... The other thing was was just getting the information from the sponsors and making sure that it was all set and good and they were all happy with it. And so it does all of that stuff. So if I update um, a set of creatives, which is what I'm calling it, which is essentially a set of banners and, and recordings, talking points, etc., if, if I or the sponsor update that, then the other gets notified that something changed. And that way, if they want to update their talking points, they can. And then if I update the audio file that gets inserted into the episode, then, then they'll get notified. Um, and then it also allows people to go in and just sign up as a sponsor. So they, they can go and they can pick which uh, sponsorship spots they want. Um, the next thing that I'm adding, because... It turns out that after I solved that pain, and, and it all works now like clockwork, it's really nice. Um, uh, once I solved that pain, the next pain was the podcast production, just keeping track of it. Because I currently use Asana to assign tasks to my podcast editor. And all that information that he needs is already in PodWrench. Because it's the sponsorship information, it's the episode that's coming out this week. And so um, I'm going to be adding some production tools into there to just keep track of things so that you can see what stage the... Uh, episodes are in as far as editing goes but the other thing is is that it will also then if if the editor comes in and marks it as being edited then it'll close it to sponsorships and things like that and so it'll do a whole lot of other automatic stuff that um, I just don't want to or want to have to do and um, yeah so it'll it'll manage all of that stuff I'm also going to be building in um, interfaces to the major hosting platforms so that I can build um, reports for the sponsors. Hey, you sponsored this episode. It's been a week since it's been out. You've gotten this many listens, etc. That kind of thing. And uh, anyway, so I'm just working through some of these things just to provide a terrific experience for podcasters and sponsors. And so, yeah, that's what I'm building. I called it PodWrench.com because you know, podcast tool. Anyway, <laughs> so we have we come up with great names, don't we? Yeah, I, I, I can't decide if it's a massively dumb name or kind of a clever name. I like it. I think it's pretty so, cool. So yeah. I, I haven't changed it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah, if we ever get sponsors yeah. on our podcast, <laughs> we'll have to, uh, we'll have to yeah. check it out. Yeah. And then I also, uh, several years ago, built a utility for building RSS feeds and, uh, you know, kind of like uh, feed burner, except it doesn't just copy your feed. It allows you to edit it as well. Nice. Um, and so I've been using that to build the feeds for 
um, devchat.tv for several years. I'm probably the only person that uses it. And so I'm looking at integrating all of that into PodWrench as well. And that way, you know, you can set up your feeds, you can put whatever you want in there. Um, so like if I have something that's timely, like the Indiegogo campaigns or something, I'd like to be able to, to insert those into the feed and then set an expiry on them so that after the Indiegogo campaigns are over that, you know, I can pull those back out of the feed. Ah, makes sense. And, um, the other thing is, is then it would also auto insert links to the sponsors in the RSS feed and stuff like that. So nice. anyway, just, just making all of this stuff happen the way I want without having to have a human go in and screw it up. So exactly, <laughs> that's awesome. And that's why we have our skills. We can do. We can bootstrap this stuff yep. ourselves, right? Like, well, and it's, it's another one that's ripe for disruption. I mean, um, the the incumbents right now are um, Libsyn and Blueberry, and their tools are ugly. They're awful. Their interfaces are hard to use, and they don't do half of this stuff. And it's stuff that I struggle with day to day. So I want a tool that does it for me. Absolutely. So make it. Yep, and that's that what look, I'm doing. And <laughs> and you and since you have the pain and the, you're you're able to do it while you know you're working on it while you have a project to actually do it with, right? So you, yep. you what are you going to write it in? It's it's written oh, you in said Ruby Rails, on right? Rails, yeah. Um, nice. Some of the interfaces I'm probably right now they're just jQuery, but I'm probably gonna there's a little bit of state management and a few other things. So I'm probably gonna pick up Angular or something and and throw it at that problem. But right. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so it's it. The the thing that's really funny about it is that um, I've had a few people saying, you know, and you mentioned focus on one thing. And I've had a few other people point that out. Okay, so you're building this podcasting tool and you're running a podcasting company. But the thing is, is that I am building the tools that run my podcasting company. Exactly. And um, the other thing is, is that uh, just this sponsorship piece has already saved me a ton of time and has made my marketing twice as easy. So absolutely, you know, absolutely, so it's, yeah. it's win, win, win. And it's just, it's really funny, you know, how it all works out. But yeah. Yeah. I was in the, so some of the startups, like, yeah, I was trying to work on, like I knew, I knew some Navy SEALs and they were doing some services, tactical uh, services stuff. So they were trying to, you know, I was working with them to try and build some technology for them. But at the same time, I was working with some doctors to build some stuff for the health industry. And then I was trying to, you know, work on some of my own ideas. So yeah, I, I guess um, that's kind of where the multitasking was coming from, from my perspective, but absolutely like, now that I'm focusing on, you know, my business, my podcast, you know, my book, I'm able to just, you know, really hone in on that instead of trying to do these things for for other people um, that are keep pulling me away from, you know, the dreams and the things that I need to focus on. Uh, you just mentioned the like the podcast. Like, yeah, I'm I'm figuring out ways how to look at my RSS feed and do a bunch of stuff automatically from that feed and you you know write some software around that. Uh, and so yeah, I think those are great ways to still focus in on you know improving what you already have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the other thing is is that you know we we've had a couple of lean periods, you know, with the podcasting, because I went full time on the podcast about two years ago. And, um, you know, so things slow down. And mostly it was because I wasn't going out and finding new, new sponsors, right? Um, so it was my <laughs> fault. But, you know, I look at my wife, and I'd be like, do you want me to go get a full time job? Because full time job, you know, is a paycheck every week, or every other yep. week, or however often, you know, it's a regular check. And she looked at me and she said, you would be miserable. So no. And that's awesome. And I mean, that that's the other thing is a lot of people, they, they look at it and they're like, well, it's risky or it's scary or it's terrible or it's this or it's that or it's the other thing. And at the end of the day, if you have a million dollars and you're completely miserable and you don't have any good prospects for getting unmiserable, it's not worth it. And so, right. you know, I mean, a lot of people discount the freedom and the happiness and the flexibility that they get from all of that 
um, because they are afraid of the financial fallout from a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. Yep. And then, you know, you can change, like you can get up and just change your life at any point if you have the flexibility in your finances to do it. You know, I mean, it just, it makes it easier. It's like, you don't have to think twice. <laughs> hey, I don't like what's going on right now. Let's change it. <laughs> yep. let's, let's move, pick up and go. <laughs> a lot of people get stuck thinking they can't, you know, uh, we had a great uh, guest on our show, Todd Nevins from the Go Hunt Life podcast. And he, he just said, you know, I don't care where you are in your life. Only you can change it. You know, you can change it. He, you know, he said, no matter how deep and hard of a rut you might be in, you are the one who has to change it and you can change it. And he says, you're, you know, don't ever think that your situation is too, you know, you're anchored down too hard. Um, you know, it's not like we sold our four bedroom house overnight, you know, and downsized to an apartment. We did that over the course of, uh, let's see, probably about 18 months, you know, but we did, we said, we, we planned the scene, we started making small strides and got there. You know, you just, you, know, you can get, you can live your, your passion and dreams. You just have to be a little creative about it. Yep, Absolutely. And, you know, what are you giving up, right? Um, are, you, are you giving up the opportunity to be there for your kids? Are you giving up the opportunity to do what you really want in life or not? And No, yeah. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah, you got to ask that. Yeah. What, yeah. what are you giving up? Are you giving up a, a huge house that you have to mow the lawn every day, go clean the pool? You know, <laughs> you got you to gotta go work on that air conditioner that's about to break down. <laughs> um, or, yeah, in our case, it was like, okay, if I can get rid of that and I can live my entrepreneurial dreams and have more time with my kids and family. You know, I'm not a lazy guy at all. And I like doing stuff, doing things myself. But I got to the point where I realized that, you know, some of that complexity was taking away from the things I enjoyed more than, you know, the little, little times I would get from the, the stuff I had. Yep. Yep. hundred percent. Anyway. So yeah. So two, two frugal dudes.com, um, earlyretirementroadmap.com. Any any other places that people can go to see what you're doing or follow you or you know, maybe you, yeah, they can you check me out. Tweet interesting stuff or something. <laughs> yeah, they can they can check me out on Twitter at Sean Marin, S E A N M E R R O N. Um uh, I kind of just tweet now and then now instead of having some of my robo tweets go out. <laughs> um so that's really where I hang out. Um uh, we also have a Facebook community uh that you can get an invite to at two frugaldudes.com. It's our frugal cashmates community because we are all cashmates in the never ending school of personal finance. You like how corny that one is. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's just around, you know, around again, surrounding yourself with people that just want to help you. I mean, I think community is such, so important. Uh, every, every episode we ask, you know, our guests, like, you know, how would you attribute it to people you surrounded yourself with to your success? And, you know, it's all about mentors and having someone, you know, just one or two steps above you that can give you their advice or what they did in their situation and then kind of taking that back. So that's why our, our Facebook community has been pretty essential and we want to try to get people in there so, you know, we can help answer any questions or at least give you advice on what, what we think about your situation. Awesome. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Sean. Oh, it was great being here. Thanks for having me again. <clears throat> no problem. We'll wrap this one up and we will catch everybody next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.